0: where we sit down with some of America's greatest leaders and find out how they have led with their faith out in front. If I've never met you before, my name is Mike Lynch, and it is my honor to be on this leadership journey with you Is we're all seeking to be the leaders that we were created to be in the space and place that God has put you. Well, you know, there are certain people and there are certain names that I have heard for years The gentleman we're going to sit down and talk to today is one of those names. I remember arriving at Liberty University in the fall of 1987, and I heard the name Chip Smith, former baseball player at Liberty, former football player at Liberty, lived in Atlanta, Georgia. And then many, many, many times through the years, I kept hearing, you got to meet Chip Smith. I cannot believe you don't know Chip. Well, finally, we were able to connect. And boy, are you going to be blessed. Now I know why everybody wanted me to meet Chip so bad, because he is an amazing guy. Chip has trained more professional athletes than any other coach or training facility in the world. He and his staff have trained over 1,600 NFL players today, countless MLB, NBA, NHL, MLS, and Olympic athletes, dating back over 30 years. Whether it's speed and agility, conditioning, strength training, Chip has been the leader. And now he was just taken on by the NFL Alumni Academy to be the performance coach for them in Canton, Ohio. Chip is a trailblazer, He is a guy who's always breaking in new territory. And what I love about it is he has that ability to know how to make great players even better. And that's an art. When you can help raise the ceiling on those who constantly raise the ceiling on themselves, you have found something special. And that is what Chip Smith does. But even more than that, You're going to hear his heart for Jesus. You're going to hear the passion behind what he does, and you are going to love it. He's been called the godfather of the sports performance training industry, and I'm telling you this, he's going to be a guy you're going to want to follow and a guy that you are going to want to know. So I want you to pull up a chair, and I want you to listen in to my conversation with Chip Smith. Well chip, thank you so much for joining me on this conversation for Lynch with a leader.
1: It is an honor to have you buddy thanks Mike, for having me we We've tried to hook up over the last couple of years, and it's been for me uh almost impossible because I travel so much and we you know spend a lot so much time I still work uh so I don't have a whole lot of free time but I'm honored to be on your podcast with you today
0: man it's it is so good to have you. You have become known as one of the leading trainers of elite athletes where did that passion
1: come from how did how did all that get started for you chip well that's a great question uh so i grew up down in the virginia beach area and my mom when i was a kid growing up she was uh she grew up loving sports. Uh, she was a big football fan. Uh, my grand, my grandfather uh, loved the uh, the Colts and the Redskins. And so, growing up, you know, she instilled that in me. And she was physically, she was tough. I mean, my mom had uh, breast cancer and beat it. Uh, early on. And so she, she raised me. I was the type of kid growing up that if I fell and busted my chin or busted my elbow, she said, get up, don't cry, you're tough. <laughs> so li- literally, I never cried until I was probably, uh, well, I remember I was 18 years old after, uh, after my last game in high school. Uh, so physically, that physical toughness, uh, I learned from her. My father, uh, who was my role model, had been in the military, he'd been in the Navy and the Air Force. And so he started doing uh, resistance training, weight training when uh, when he was there, and he fell in love with that. So, uh, you know, he eventually he got saved and, and went into the ministry. But when I was a kid growing up, he actually got me started doing weight training when I was uh, probably nine, 10, 11 years old. Uh, and so early on, back in the, in the 60s and early 70s, um, strength was always one of my uh, fortes as an athlete and speed. And so um, I I earned that or I learned that early on through my mom and my dad.
0: Mm. So you move on from Virginia Beach and you go to Liberty and it was probably Liberty Baptist College when you were there, was
1: it or had it gone to university yet? No, no. So, so Mike, I was Liberty's first scholarship athlete. Wow, very first scholarship athlete. I, I had the the very good fortune of scoring the very first touchdown in the school's history. Uh, I had the first. I was the leadoff batter. I played second base in baseball. I had the very first hit uh, against Virginia Wesleyan. Uh, I went five for six and had off, leadoff uh, leadoff single. Uh, but the story to get there is really kind of unique. So, uh, as a player uh, playing at Western Branch High School down in Chesapeake, um, I was a. I was. Uh, I was a good player, um, uh, so I was recruited uh, by the Naval Academy, by uh, uh, Virginia Tech, by UNC, and by Tennessee. And I took my visits to all four, and three of the four offered me: UNC offered me, uh, Virginia Tech offered me, and Navy offered me. Tennessee didn't, and Tennessee's where I really wanted to go. But so I committed verbally to to play football at the University of North Carolina. So. Uh, back in 1971, uh, Dr. Falwell was actually speaking at a church in Green, Greensboro, North Carolina. Well, my aunt, my father was from, originally from Greensboro, and my aunt lived there. So after ch- after church, Dr. Falwell went back to her house, and he started sharing with her his vision of, of LBC, and they just started, and and he wanted to start a big-time sports program. And so my aunt said, uh, well, you know, Dr. Fowell, my, my nephew is a really good football player and baseball player, and he he uh, has committed to play football at the University of North Carolina. And uh, so Dr. Falwell said, well, give me his number. So Dr. Falwell called my house. <laughs> Mike, you got to hear the story because it's crazy. I, I've only shared this a couple times. So he calls my house, and he goes, uh, uh, Chip, Ch- this is Dr. Jerry Falwell, and I'm you know the chancellor at Lynchburg Baptist College. We're starting a sports program. And I understand you're a Christian. I'd like to uh, I'd like to come down there and, and uh, meet with you. And I said, Well, you know, Dr. Fall, I, I've committed to play at University of North Carolina. Uh, I said, I said, but you know, let me I'll get back to you. So he goes, and by the way, do you know any other uh, athletes that might be interested? Well, my my sister had actually led uh, George Sweet, who was a big time basketball player. He was actually had committed to play basketball at Providence College. Uh, he had come to Christ, uh, his senior, our senior year, we grew up together. And so I called George, I said, hey, uh, this guy, Jerry Fowler wants to come down and and pick us up. He actually wants to fly down and pick us up and take us to an Isle of America rally in in Little Rock, Arkansas. Do you want to go? And George was like, I mean, not really because I'm, I'm committed to Providence and you've committed to UNC. Well, let me back up. So when I was being recruited, when I was being recruited by Navy, uh, there was a guy that was coaching at Navy. His name was Lee Rock Royer and Lee Rock Royer came to my home and did an in-home visit. Now, Mike, listen to this. This is crazy. The first thing he says to me is he says, Chip, I need to ask you a very important question. Well, this was back during the Vietnam war. And I thought he was going to say, you do you really want to go into the military and, and have to serve the commitment after going to Navy? But he goes, if you were to die right now, where would you spend eternity? And I got a smile on my face. and I looked at him and I looked at my father and I said, uh, well, Coach, I'd go to heaven. He said, How do you know that? Well, then I explained to him how I'd become a Christian my senior year and I'd be going in high school and, and I accepted Christ. And he said, Good. He said, Now we can talk some football. And he was with Navy then? He was at Navy. He oh recru- my gosh. Mike, he recruited me and offered me at Navy. Okay. Now, when he found out I was a Christian, uh he, he actually while he was in my home, he actually called the head coach at Taylor University in Upland, Indiana and said and told the coach said, Listen, I'm in I'm down in Chesapeake, Virginia with a with a high school player who we've offered, he's been offered by some other schools. Um, and he's a Christian and, and I'm not sure the Navy's the right fit for him. Uh uh here. he put him on the phone. And of course, I don't know anything about I don't know anything about Taylor University in Upland, Indiana. But I remember this conversation. So as I'm talking to this coach, I said, "Well, coach, how, how cold does it get?" He, go, he goes, "Well, well uh, Chippy gets it gets really cold. So we get a lot of snow." And I'm like, "I'm a beach boy, I grew, I grew <laughs> and, you know. I, I mean, I love the sun." I was like, uh, "Well, you know what? Thanks, coach. If I can't find another place to play, you know, I, I might consider." But but Coach Royer had recruited me and offered me at Navy. All right. So now, fast forward. So Dr. Fowler flies down and picks George and I up in his in his plane. All right. So we fly out to Little Rock, Arkansas. Now it's Dr. Falwell, the pilots, George, and then there's one other person on, on the plane. Mike, it was Miss Arkansas. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. So Falwell goes, and by the way, all the girls at LBC look like this girl. <laughs> oh, of course he did. Of course he did. Yeah, he was the best recruiter ever. And I'm like, and I don't even know if that was, if that's legal. You know, the NCAA rules. Legal. <laughs> so as we're talking, he looks at me and he goes, well, what do you really want to do? And I said, well, Dr. you know, I, I I love baseball. Baseball is a passion. I was, a, you know, I was a decent baseball player. I was a pretty good football player. I said, but, UNC they won't let me do they'll only let me play football and they had told me pretty much that it would be my junior year before I would play he said well let me just tell you this if you come to LBC not only can you play f- football but you can play baseball as well and he, and he goes and by the way did I tell you that our school's on an island that is crazy <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like an island he goes yeah I'm like Like, can you hunt and fish? He said, Yeah. I show up at Lynchburg Baptist College with a fishing rod, with with a shotgun, with a with a tennis racket. I think I'm gonna hunt and fish and play tennis every day, but it was a little bit different at at, uh, Mm -hmm. at, at LBC than it was, you know, than than he than he had he had sold me on. But so yeah, so I decommitted from them and I committed to to, uh, to Liberty. So or Lynchburg Baptist College. So when I got there, I was their very first scholarship athlete. I actually was on a we didn't have football. I was actually on a baseball scholarship the first year. So I played uh, on the very first baseball team. And then in the spring, all of a sudden I'm, you know, I, I'd gotten into some trouble. I was at Dean's office and, and I'm sitting there and all of a sudden there's a knock on the door and this guy walks in and I look up and it's Lee Rock Royer. Liberty had just hired him to become the new, the new football coach at Liberty.
0: Unbelievable.
1: it's Unbelievable. He looks at me and he goes, what's he in here for? And the, and the Dean said, I is for some demerits. He goes, well, I'll take care of that. He's my—he's one of my football guys, and so I actually—I was—I was elected the first captain, so I was the very first captain. So every morning, I had devotions with Coach Royer, uh, and again, I had—I had a relationship with him. Now he recruited all the other players that came after that, but Dr. Falwell recruited me, so I was recruited by Jerry, and then—and then the first head coach had already recruited and offered me at Navy. So uh, I was a guy that uh, the morning that he—that I took—I actually took him to the airport. The day that he died in a plane crash, he had his, his pilot license and he flew to, uh, to Louisiana to recruit. That was on a Saturday, the weekend on Thanksgiving weekend. And I'll never forget, uh, uh, Gay Davis or Dave Davis, who was AD at the time, called me and said, you're not gonna believe this. Coach Roy was killed in a plane crash and and, uh, it was, it was devastating. And, and. So when I got back, I actually uh, brought the team together, the football team, and said, hey, I need to know, you guys, are you going to stay or are you going to go? Because uh, we committed to Dr. Falwell, and I know you guys were recruited by, by you know, uh, um, you know, uh, Rock Royer." I said, but um, I need to know, you know, because a lot of guys were saying, I'm leaving, I'm transferring. And, and so there was a core group of guys that got together and said, you know what, we, we're going to honor that commitment. And we actually stayed uh, together all four years. I was actually offered twice during my career by, by, by two of the four that originally offered me, offered me a full scholarship to transfer, uh, after my first uh, freshman and sophomore year. And, uh, and, and I didn't, and I didn't, but, uh, yeah, so that's how I ended up at Liberty. Uh, oh, um, wow. sold me a vision. And he told me that one day Liberty would play Notre Dame. And there's no doubt that, uh, that they will. But, um, that was an incredible experience. Uh, you know, the very first spring, we didn't even have equipment. I had to wear my high school helmet. Uh, you know again, i just I just you know visited four of the top you know uh, colleges in the country. Yep. And I go from there to uh, to liberty and and for Baptist College, where we had nothing. Um, but you know what the, God God had a bigger plan and and uh, when I look back on my life and I see how he orchestrated that. Uh, just being obedient. Sometimes uh, to that small, still voice that says, "This is the way we walk you in it," and and uh, it was tough. I mean, there were a lot of times that you know when we had asked for an extra carton of milk, uh, and we had tuna fish sandwiches, and that's all we had to eat. Um, it, it was it was tough, but you know we we loved each other, and we loved God, and we loved liberty, and and I think that foundation uh, is what you know is what built. Mm. built it to where it is today and and the baseball program was the same like i mean you know you were a baseball player at liberty civil so baseball brothers but um the first year of dave davis was the head coach and then i played i played all four years but the second year was was coach worthington's uh first year and of course it was night and day you know he had he'd been a major league baseball player and then i think he coached i think in the, in the twins organization yep. for a bunch of years and but early on you know in in uh since we're talking about Liberty history, um, Liberty's baseball program was really good. It's yeah. been really good over the years, and and I played. Um, so my second year, we actually played the University of South Carolina in Columbia, and they beat us. They beat us pretty bad. And I actually, uh, a stupid story, uh, but just the difference in then and today. Uh, we played a doubleheader, in the second game of the doubleheader, uh, I was the leadoff batter, played second base. I hit the ball to the third baseman. He came up throwing and their first baseman was like 6'70. seven, it was huge. We stepped across the bag, got my feet tangled up and and snapped my ankle, broke my ankle. So they took me to the hospital, they cast it up. That was on Saturday, I rode back with the team, they waited for me. Sunday morning, I got up and my, my roommate was a kid from Fredericksburg, Virginia, Tim Coleman, who, who was a very celebrated high school coach and they named the field at, at uh, Spotsylvania High School after him, he won eight state championships. Uh, great coach great person my best friend in the world anyway uh we got up that morning i said tim i, I gotta play baseball he's like dude you got a cast on your I said, get a knife he took that knife and he cut that cast off and i taped that ankle and i had 37 stolen bases that second year with a broken ankle and I, I didn't miss one game so I when i was in the w- hall, hall of fame coach where they got up and of course i was i was humbled and honored to be um on that on that class uh hall of fame class with him and he got up and he said i want to tell you something he said that chip smith don't hurt like a normal person (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh and he he told a story but he was uh man what what a coach i mean Mm. i I coach today i'm so passionate about loving people and about relationships because of coach worthington and and uh i mean I'll, i'll tell you uh, the very first day we were at practice, the very first day he coached us, you know, back then we used to run foul poles. And so uh, we finished practice and I'll never forget Jeff Mincy and, and, uh, and uh, some other guys that played during that time with me. Uh, we walked up to coach Worthington. We said, coach, you know, for conditioning, you want, are we going to run the foul poles? And he looked, he looked at us and he said, do you need to run them? And we're like, he said, do you need to run them? Cause if you do, Take off," he goes. "But I'm not going to stick around and blow a whistle." <laughs> <And> <laughs> all four year, all three years that I played for him, we ran foul poles after every practice, and he was never there. Yep. But he treated us like men, and, and and that was the biggest thing for me as a as a mm. player is I you know I I mean the old mentality is you got to holler and scream and and belittle kids to make them you know to make them to motivate them, and I'm sure a lot of that worked, and it worked for me, I'm sure, and probably worked for you. But he wasn't that way. Mm. He said, "Tell us you're you know." you're professionals and, or, or you're, you know, you're, you're supposed to be here. You're on your scholarship players. You're you're good players. So if you feel like you need to do it, do it. <laughs> you know
0: that so, is. And he didn't change chip. So I got there fall of 87, the end of the first practice at Richardson, of course, with the head coach, then Worthington was doing pictures. And he said, guys, he said, you got some running to do, but I'm going to go home. I, I don't <laughs> have any need to watch you run. I'm going to go home with Shirley and we're going <laughs> to have a nice dinner and he said, I'll never know if you ran, but you will. And guys that run will have character and guys that cheat it don't have any character. And we don't have time for people that don't have character. You boys have a good evening.
1: And that's exactly <laughs> how he was. And that was 87. Yeah. Well, he never, he never changed. And, and, nope. and, you know, one of the things that, and again, I had a lot of great, I have a lot of great memories from, you know, football and baseball and, and, uh, but our third year, our third year against Bobby Richardson, South Carolina came, they were ranked number two in the nation. And why this is never talked about in Liberty's history is beyond me. They were ranked number two in the nation. They came to Lynchburg and we beat them 13 to six. I was on that team in Lynchburg. Now we're a four year old school, three year old baseball program. And we beat the number two team in in the nation. They went on and lost in the college world series to Arizona state. Bob Horner was on that team, but, but Carolina had Mookie, Mookie Wilson. They had, uh, uh, Jeff, Grants play shortstop. They had, uh, Oh my gosh. They had, uh, uh, uh Dale Barra. They had Whitey Ford city Ford, Whitey Ford's son. And they had, they had tons of great talent And that. I heard later, Jerry, uh, uh, Bobby Richardson told the story. He said that when we came to Lynchburg and they beat us, he said, I realized right then, you know what? You can win with Christian kids. I want to be a part of that program. Mm-hmm. And then a couple years later, he ends up coming in and coaching. But, uh, yeah, I was part of that team that uh, with Jeff, you know, Jeff Mincy and Richard Zaswetti. And, and, uh, and uh, uh, I mean, there were there was so many so many great guys. Jim Fisher and, and uh, the Elliott boys, uh, uh, you know, that both got drafted. And Mincy got drafted. I think there were six guys off that team that got drafted. So, you know, again, for an early – for a program – uh, that started uh, to, to have the talent and have the coaches that they had during that time was phenomenal
0: that's phenomenal so you you leave liberty and now here you are today training some of the greatest athletes in the world, did you ever dream you'd be doing what you're doing today? Did you see somewhere you talked about Dr. Fall was vision for seeing how many times did we hear Doc say, from this from the foothills of this little tiny, you know, campus in Lynchburg, Virginia, we're gonna change the world? And they have with the graduates. Did you ever dream you'd be where you are today in the vision that you had for what God called you to do?
1: No, absolutely not. Um you know, Jerry's, uh, mantra was training champions for Christ. And, and, uh, you know, uh, I never aspired to that. I'm asked that all the time, you know, Chip, what, how'd you get in the business? But I'll tell you quickly how that, how it all evolved. So when I graduated, um, I ended up marrying a Georgia girl and, uh, and from Atlanta. And so I came down here and, and I got in my undergraduate, my undergraduate degree was in, uh, Physical education with emphasis in science and, and uh, exercise, um, and I'd always been interested. Again, because I'd grown up lifting weights, and I was the strongest player at my high school, and I was the fastest player, uh, fastest person in my high school. So, speed and strength were something that I was gifted with. And my father was actually faster than me. My grandmother, her nickname was Speed. Uh, she was actually a track star. So. Uh, you know, at that time I was always interested in speed, but I was always told that speed was heredity. You either had or you didn't, and you couldn't increase that. You mm-hmm. were born born with a certain number of fast twitch muscle fibers and and you couldn't increase uh you couldn't increase those. And so I didn't really believe that, but that's what we were taught in school. So early on when we got down to Georgia, uh, I got in the fitness industry and, and actually had a facility in downtown Atlanta. Uh and so I'll never forget I had a uh, in 19, I think it was 78, um, I'm in my facility one day, and this tall guy walks in. And I look up, and it's it's Julius Erving, Dr. J, and he goes, uh, "Hey, uh, we're in town playing, and I need to work out." And so, struck up a friendship with him. And at that time, he wore knee braces, and and uh, I was like, "Doc, you know why why are you why are you?" And I had watched him actually play when he was in the ABA, uh, the, the Norfolk Squires uh i used to go watch them you know back during that time so i'd seen him play i was a big fan of his so you know i, I asked him i said why are you wearing these knee braces he said well you know my, my knees are weak and i you know i said well have you ever, ever done any weight training he goes no he said you know at that time resistance training was a, was a no-no for basketball players because they said it would impede your, your shooting mechanics and all that so nobody lifted i was like no man i'm telling you right now if you start squatting and you start doing some things for the lower body you can you can end up doing Doing away with that. So I wrote out a program for him. So from about 78 to probably about 80, 81, uh, I did uh, a contract for different teams and different programs. I would write out strength programs and then I would send it to the teams and then they would actually have one of their coaches take their players through. But they didn't have, they didn't hire strength conditioning coaches. So during that time, also, uh, ran into some people that were in, in the Hollywood industry. They were filming a lot of movies here in Georgia during that time. And so in the late, uh, late seventies, early eighties, um, they filmed a bunch of movies Well, I ended up working with some people, people in the movies. So I, I worked with Kurt Russell and, and, uh, uh, what was the name of that movie? Uh, escape from New York. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, uh, Burt Reynolds was here filming uh, Smokey and the Bandit, and so they would they would uh, come in and use my facility, and so I got to know them and work with with those type athletes and or those type act- actors and movie movie people during the early uh, late 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 eighty or late seventies early eighties, and then in eighty one uh, I got hired to go down to uh, well let me back up in, in 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 eighty I got hired from the Lowe's Corporation to go to Monte. Uh, Carlo in Monaco and, and develop an American style in Prince Riviera. And I actually did that and lived over there for about six months while I did that. And during that time, I actually got to meet uh, Princess Grace Kelly and and uh, take her on a tour of my facility. And and uh, in addition to that, Ringo Starr lived in Monaco and he would come in. And, and uh, so, I mean, I, I got exposed to big time celebrities uh, early on in my career. And then at 81, uh, I got hired by a company charter medical to go down to St. Simon's Island, Georgia and run a program down there called the impaired athlete, um, which was alcohol and drug rehab. Mm. So they would bring in these athletes and then I would, uh, they would dry them out and then I would train them and send them back to their teams. And back during that time, I don't know if you remember uh, Lehman Bennett oh, yeah. coach. And so Lehman uh, he worked for me down there in St. Simon's. So I spent six years down there and and then that was in 81 uh, to 86 And then in 1987, my life changed completely. Other than my my marriage and my uh, my children and and my salvation, Uh, uh, as part of President President Reagan's Culture Exchange Program, I was sitting on a on a bicycle on a commercial health club. Excuse me, and I I saw an ad in the back of the Wall Street Journal that said, "Looking for sports medicine practitioners and coaches to study abroad." So I applied into it, and it was to go to Russia and study uh, in the areas of, of. Interest was strength conditioning, speed development, pre- and post-pubescent training, which was pre-puberty. At that time, we were also taught that kids didn't do uh, resistance training before they they went through puberty because you stunted their growth. The piffy is still in the long bone and you stunted their growth. And so I applied in. I had to write this dissertation on why I should be selected. And so I did. And they called me back and they selected me and they took six Americans and four Canadians. And so I go to Moscow and I, I live there and I study speed development and pre- and post pre and post-pubescent training. Um, And the 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 facilities were archaic, but their methodology was far, far superior. The Eastern Bloc Mm. countries were far superior. And one of the things that they convinced me is they said, you know, coach, you, you know, you guys and girls are great at getting athletes big and strong, but um, it doesn't translate to the sport they play. You're not making them better athletes. And that made a lot of sense to me as a second baseman. I should have been training completely different than a catcher, and a catcher different than a pitcher, and a pitcher different than a midfielder or center field. And so um, they said, you need to train very movement specific and sport specific. And so when I got back in 87, I actually wrote out my program, uh, wrote out a six week program. I prayed, I said, Lord, you know, um, one of the things that I that I wrote in my original dissertation on why I should be selected is I said I want to be able to share with with the world uh, what I've learned and little that I that I that I know at that time that that I would get a chance to do that worldwide. But uh, so anyway, when I got back, I, I wrote that program out and, and that was in '87. So '88 to '90 90, to '90 90, '91, I volunteered. I got a call from a coach at, U, at UGA, uh, Richard Bell, who had been at Duke. But during the '80s, <clears throat> I had uh, late seventies, early eighties, I had be, uh, become friends with the, the uh, director of strength conditioning at Duke university. And so Sonny Falcone, who is one of my dearest friends today, <clears throat> we had a strength coach at Duke for almost 20 years. And, and, uh, um, so I, I, um, uh, uh, developed my system based on what I had learned, uh, during that time. And then, uh, so I, Richard Bell had been at Duke during that time when I, I was doing my camps. And so he called me up and said, Hey, um, I'd like for you to come over and work. With, do some work with one you know, some of our players at Georgia. Well, they had a strength conditioning staff. And, you know, he said, so you have to do it outside. So I did for three years. I started out and I drove over there four days a week <clears throat> and I worked with, I started out with maybe six guys in the third year. I had 85 guys. In fact, I had mm-hmm. so many that uh, Ray golf came to the, out, the outdoor facility one day and said, Hey, uh, I just want to, you know, I want to meet you. You know, I want to see where all my guys are coming to training. So, so I was then early on at Georgia and I met, you know, all those players that played during his early years. Well, then in 91, I had an agent come to me and said, Hey, I want I want you to get one of my guys ready for the NFL draft. Uh, and it was Garrison Hurst who ended up being a first round draft pick. So, um, so the early nineties, I was the very first guy that started the sports performance business and specifically the combine, the combine business. And that was in '91, and since then, this this draft class this year uh, put me at over 2,000 players that I've trained for the NFL Combine and in, in pro days.
0: Good night, 2,000. It's amazing, and you've had all you've got NFL Hall of Famers, you've got everything in between, don't you?
1: Yeah, again, I've been very blessed and fortunate. <clears throat> again, I, you know, it's, this is this. This is not about me, Mike, you know, it's been uh, about being obedient and and honoring the Lord for me and everything that we do. But uh, yes, uh, last year I had Champ Bailey, who went in the hall of fame. I trained Champ, Run, and Boss Bailey. Uh, Before that, I had, uh, I was with Brian Erlacher. I wrote a book. Brian's on the cover of my book, wrote the the four for my book. Um, I've had four Heisman Trophy winners, uh, Jason White, Danny Warfel, Eric Crouch, Cam Newton. Uh, So I've had some pretty good players. uh, uh, Jared Allen, really, really good, good players. And of course they're all good. If you you find that level, you're really good.
0: That's right. So, and, and what I love about what you've done, Chip, is it's not just, okay, I'm the football guy and, when, and you are, I saw Jalen hurts there training your facility this year. So you, you go from getting guys ready for the combine, keeping guys up in their career. Mark price who's a legend in basketball, was one of your clients for years. Greg McMichael, Michael Barrett, you've had all sports, but you've also had gold medalist in the Olympics. What, what Chip, what, what Even though all these athletes play different sports, what are traits they all have in common? What would you say?
1: Yeah, that's, you know, each of them are different. And uh, some, some physically are, are, are bigger and faster and stronger than other ones. And, and uh, some are mentally tough. Uh, but I would say that, that two things. One is that most of the ones that play and compete at the highest level are really focused on what they need to do. One of the things that, that surprised me early on, because I would ask them what motivated them, and I would say probably 80% of the time they would tell me, Coach, what motivates me is the fear of failure. Mm. Mm. Think about that. I said, Champ, you, 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 you've played 16 years in NFL. You're going to go in the Hall of Fame. He said, Coach, I've been a pro ball player for 13 years. I'm afraid if I don't keep working, I'm not going to be there. So I'm going to, that's going to motivate me to continue to work hard. Brian Urlacher, who who I love like a son. Brian 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 would have tr- would have paid uh, paid to play. It was never about money with Brian, uh, but Brian was intense. Uh, he would say he would come in offseason season. I'd say Brian, what do you need to do? And he said, Well, coach, I need to work on this. So specifically, each player that would come in, we would sit down and we would evaluate where they were at. And then based on what they felt like they needed to do to be a better athlete or a better player at their sport and position, then I was able to address those, those, uh, their concerns or things that they needed to do, uh, you know, to be able to play and compete. So, so the very first year, and this is, this is an interesting story, the very first year that I had Brian. So I trained him coming out of the university of New Mexico. And so the very first off season, <clears throat> he put in his contract with his agent that back during that time, uh, in the, in, in 99, 2000 players would get, uh, bonuses and incentives to train at the facilities in the off season. It was as much as $250,000. So Brian told his agent, he said, look, I don't want you. I I don't want that. I want you to put in my contract and I have the rights to train wherever I need to train. And here's why he said that. He said, because I need to be able to work on what I need to do to be able to play and compete. I don't need to to go and work with a bunch of guys that don't have the same needs that I have. Mm -hmm. And so his very first year we got through training and, he said, all right, how much do I owe you? And I said, Brian, you know what, brother, I, I love you. I- and what you can do for me is far greater than what you can pay me. He goes, nope, you make $8 million a year. I said, no, I don't. He said, well, I do. If you prolong on my career one year, just one year, it's worth $8 million to me. What little bit I'm going to pay you is worth that much for you. And I've used that mm-hmm. over and over and over, over the years because again, the average length of a NFL player is three, three and a half years, right. 13 years. So again, I don't take credit when they do good and I don't take credit when they do bad. Uh, but if you ask Brian, uh, he was able to play at a high level for a lot more years than a lot of guys that played his position. So in the end, what little bit he paid paid me to train paid huge dividends. He got a heck of a return on investment on what a little bit he paid me uh, to train to prolong his career. And so I use that when I'm recruiting or, or when I'm talking to, you know, big time players are like a lot of guys, you know, they have egos and like, well, you know, you, you get a chance to work with me. Well, I'm, I'm an old guy. I'm like, you know what, Dude, unless your picture's on my wall or my wall of fame, I, I'm not impressed, you know, but uh, so, yeah, so, so all sports, you know, I've been blessed and fortunate to have NBA major league baseball. I've had tennis players that played at Wimbledon. I've had uh, golfers that have played at the masters. Um, but uh, in 2010. I got a call, an call from a, a, a woman who was, a Chinese woman, who was director uh, of, uh, of uh, sports medicine for the for the Chinese Olympic uh, Committee. And she said, Coach Smith, you've been identified as one of the top three guys in the country. Would you come to China and evaluate our program? And I said, sure, I'd be honored to do that. <clears throat> so I fly to Beijing, and when I get there, uh, there's two other guys with me, and I guess they were the other two guys they had identified, and I didn't know them, and they didn't know me. And so we go and uh, f- 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 funny stories. So <laughs> we're there and the very first day they take us around and they show us the facility. Well, the second day, uh, the chairman of the Chinese Olympic Committee comes in he's very excited. He said, Dr. Chen, please tell the fellows that today, they're gonna get a chance to work with one of our Olympic teams. Well, I'm thinking, you know, I didn't really think I was coming over to train anybody. So mentally, you know, I, I, was, I had not thought about that. And so they look at the youngest kid who's there, who's a basketball performance coach and they said, Coach so-and-so, you're going to work with our men's volleyball team. And he said, okay. And then he, there's an older guy that's a doctor, uh PhD guy from, from Texas A&M. And they said, Dr. so-and-so, you're going to work with our women's soccer team. And I'm thinking, crap, that's two teams. That, I mean, that's two sports. At least I know a little, little yeah, bit about Yeah. And so, and then, so Dr. Chin, and, and he, he tells Dr. Chin, and Dr. Chin, please tell Coach Smith that today he's going to work with our table tennis and our badminton. <laughs> I'm thinking, Forrest Gump, are you kidding me? Ping pong? I've never trained a ping pong player in my life. You know, backyard badminton? Are you kidding me? Well, that's their premier sports. So I said, I said, okay. So true story. I bowed my head and said, dear Lord, I'm in deep trouble. (laughs) Give me divine guidance right now. Unbelievable. I have no no idea what I'm doing. True true is is is, as I'm sitting here today. I raised my head up and Lord spoke to me and said, Chip, you train pro tennis players. Forehands, resisted forehands, backhands, reaction. You got this. I said, okay. Can I watch a practice? They said, yeah. So I go that morning. And I watch a practice. Well, then, then the the chairman, he's all excited. He said, and Dr. Chen, please tell Coach Smith that he's going to get a chance today to train the current gold medalist from the Beijing Olympics. <laughs> well, I'm like, I'm going to embarrass myself. My God, my my country. Uh, so so that afternoon, I'm standing there and I'm training this girl that was had won Olympic gold in the, in, in the 2008 Olympics, who, by the way, I trained her. She ended up winning gold in, in the 2012 Olympics in London. So I'm standing there and I'm training her and this, his famous doctor or this famous coach walks over to Dr. Chin who speaks Mandarin and, and, uh, and, and, and is talking to her. And he says, he tells her, he says, uh, Dr. Chen, please tell Coach Smith, in all my years of training Olympic champions, I never see this type of training. I said, Dr. Chen, tell Mr. Lee, <laughs> I never see this type of training. <laughs> oh, said, that is I mean, so good. He said, oh, that's funny. I said, no, tell him I don't train table tennis players. Well, I get home, I get home three weeks later, and I get a call from Dr. Chen. She says, Coach Smith, you got the contract. I said, What contract? She said, Oh, you not know that it's a tryout. They bring all three of you, and because you're the oldest guy, they gave you both of their premier uh, their premier programs: their their table tennis and badminton, which they won every every Olympic. Uh, they won gold, and you did something they never seen. So anyway, I spent two years in, in Beijing overseeing 14 Olympic teams prior to the London Olympics. So I had gold medals in, in table tennis and badminton and gymnastics and weightlifting and three-meter diving, uh, ju- judo. So I mean non-traditional sports that again god had prepared me to do and so i, I kind of laugh you know when everybody comes in my facility and you know, i've got some baseball stuff in here but uh you know they're like well you only do football i'm like no, no I, I do all sports I, i'll tell you this because this is interesting too uh two years ago i get a call from an agent he says coach smith we've got us we got an athlete we want you to work with i said okay i said what is he playing he goes well it's not a he it's a she I said, "Wow, okay, what does she play?" I said, "Well, she doesn't really play a sport. She's the prima ballerina with the Bolshoi Ballet. She's the number one ballerina in the world." Wow. She sent this girl to me. She spent she she stayed here. Uh, I can't remember a month, six weeks, and I trained her, and uh, it was it was an awesome experience. But again, she was like, "Man, I, I, you know, this is crazy. I feel so much better." And and because of her, we ended up training the the, uh, the prima with the Atlanta Ballet with the. Uh, Tulsa Ballet with the uh, 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 South Korea, uh, their ballet. Uh, so I had four of the primas that ended up coming to Atlanta and training with us. Uh, but but again, you know, you would never think that because, no. you know, we're, football is what kind of sets this, the, the standard in terms of a work ethic with players.
0: So you got all these great athletes from a ballerina to a table tennis player to a great major league catcher to... Brian Erlacher, who nobody wanted to see coming through the line of scrimmage. So you got all these people. How far can you push a great athlete in their development compared to how far you could push an average from your end as a coach? So you're you're trying to make these guys be their best ladies be their best. How far can you push a great athlete compared compared to how far you can push push somebody who just wants to be average? They just want to they want to make it. How how far can the difference be there?
1: That's again, that's a great question because that's what separates um, that's what separates the good from the great. Mm. Um, a lot of good athletes will do just what it takes, and, and what I see at my level is there are a lot of really good athletes, but what it takes to be great, they don't really want to do that. They don't want to pay the price. That's why a lot of guys are three three years in, and then they're out because mm-hmm. they don't want to continue to work and do what it takes. But what it, what I've seen, and, and here's what I tell every player that comes in, you can get mediocre work anywhere. You didn't come here to get mediocre work. I'm going to set the bar high. I'm going to expect greatness. If you don't want to do it, you have ultimate veto rights over everything I do. If you come in and say, Coach, I, I'm not doing that today. Hey, you know what? You're a pro. You know your body better than anybody. But here's what I want to tell you. I will I will take you as far as you want to go. I want you to be the giddy up and go, and I want to be the whoa. Mm. And there are a lot of kids and a lot of athletes that, that, that when they start feeling uncomfortable, they bail out. Mm. And I'm like, look, we're, we're going to go. So I've never looked at a clock. I've never been a coach that says, okay, I've got you for one hour. If it takes five hours for us to get the work done, we're going to take five hours. Okay, we're gonna do what we have to do. Now we're gonna take and an, as we progress that that same workout that might have taken you know two hours, might we might get that down to an hour or 45 minutes. We wanna to train to failure. Failure is success. Failure is success. If I if I get to the point where I'm training Brian Erlacher and he can't even do the bar, I'm I've accomplished my goal because he's given me everything that he can. Okay. A lot of kids don't want to, they're, they're afraid to, to do that. Uh, but the great ones will come in and say, coach, I'm, I'm buying into the process. You put a lot of guys in a lot of different sports at a lot of different levels. You tell me what I need to do. And I love those type of athletes. And I, and I, and I say, look, we're going to, we're going to work. We worry about the things that we can control, which is your work ethic, your preparation, your attitude, how long do you play? What team you play for where you get drafted. We leave that up to the Lord because he's going to put you exactly where you're supposed to be. And if it's, if it's not, if you don't play, then we're going to thank the Lord because he's keeping you out of harm's way. Uh, somewhere down the road, we, we know he has something greater for you to accomplish and achieve than being a pro athlete. But let's do, let's don't look back on our life and say, what if, what if I'd have put in the effort that it takes to play and compete at a high level? And I've gotten letters from af- pro athletes over the years that, that, that actually would apologize to me and say, coach, I didn't realize what you did for me until I got away from the sport, I should still be playing. But because I I didn't want to stay focused and I didn't want to put in the effort, um, I I cheated myself and my family. And I read those letters to a lot of kids, Mm. you know, and, and to whom much is given much is required. And so athletically, when you get an athlete that, that, that as a baseball player, when you see a kid that can run, it can throw and has a natural knack for hitting and you're like, you know, the, you can, you can go as high as you want to go. It's dependent upon you, how hard you work. And that's what I, I tell kids, look, you know, uh, how how good you get is dependent upon how hard you want to work. And as long as you want to work, I'll stay here all day long and give you all the work that you need.
0: So good. We had a great leadership guy on here. His name is Sam Chand. And Sam works for some of the top leaders leaders in the world, and he has a quote, he had a book called Leadership Pain, and it ties in with this. He said, you will only grow to the threshold of your pain. And it's true athletically. when, when that, The lower the threshold, the lower the athlete, the higher the threshold, the higher their peak performance can be because they keep working. But so many of us in life, when the stretching starts and the adversity hits, we're out, man, we're waving the white flag and we don't wanna do the work after that to keep going. What's yeah. been the biggest adversity you've had to walk through as a leader, as an owner, as a, as a developer of, of athletes, what's been your greatest adversity you've had to walk through?
1: Well, I think for me, uh, personally, it's been the actual day-to-day business mm. operation and running a business, uh, for me, you know, it's, it's, uh, again, this is, I've been in business for 32 years and, Uh, you know, that means paying rent, that means paying payroll, that means, you know, paying the government, that means marketing, that means all the things that it takes, in addition to, uh, to taking care of you as an athlete. Uh, Those day to day things, especially now, I mean, we've been shut down, you know, and thank the Lord that for me, uh, December, January, February, March, or our, you know, of course, all of our NFL vet guys that, you know, they can't work. So we're, you know, we're, we're. Again, I'm not hurting like most uh, most coaches that are in that, that work with high school kids that are you know losing income. Yeah. Uh, but you have you know my facility is, is 40,000 square feet. Well, that's a big nut on a, you know a, a, a monthly basis of, of what to you know what what you have to pay and what you have to take care of. So over the years, I would think I would say that probably uh, outside of athletes getting hurt, uh, that's a that's emotionally that's mm-hmm. a that's really hard for me because again, and uh, and 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 thank again, thank the Lord that over over the past 30, 32 years, forty years, I've only had a couple of athletes that have been hurt, freak things that have happened, um, but under my watch, you know, I want to make sure that we want to educate them, protect them, and empower them, and I want to make sure that uh, that I don't do anything that's going to hurt them. Um, so that's 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 been the biggest thing. I've I've had some uh, early on in my career. I've had some uh, some some things that have happened in the business world, uh, in gr- investment groups that, that have come in that you know, we've, we haven't seen eye to eye. And, and, uh, so that's been, that's been a, uh, you know, tough hurdle for me is, is, is who to partner with mm-hmm. and, and, uh, how to go about that on the business side of it.
0: That's so good. That's so, and that's, and that's part of it. And because at the end of the day, you're a leader and you've got to, you've got to own all that stuff, You know, I was reading on your in the little book you sent me to and it talked about one of the things as part of your training is you offer Bible study to the guys. And I I read so many of the guys quoted about coming to your home and praying and how you train them to be a champion. How important is your faith? Chip, in what you do,
1: Mike, it it is paramount. It's the most important thing in my life. Mm. Uh, you know, as a, as a Christian, um, I, I, I I laugh and I I tell people all the time, I live by the nine S faith, family, friends, flag, food, fun, fitness, football, and firearms. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, being in the South, you can appreciate that, but faith is paramount. And I tell every player that comes in there's three things that we that I want to tell you it's it's a three-legged stool you have to be physically mentally and spiritually fit and if you're if you're lacking in any one of those areas that stool is going to fall over and so we want to make sure again I, I, I tell every player that comes to me I say look I'm gonna I'm going to, I want to tell you one thing I want to tell you a couple of things but i want to tell you one thing that's very important to me my priorities in life first and foremost is my relationship with Jesus Christ second is my family my avocation and vocation next. And I said, the reason I tell you that is because I'm not trying to convert you, but I want you to know what my priorities in life are. If I professed the name of Christ and I'm living anything other, I'm coaching you and I'm using bad language or I'm saying, telling bad stories or whatever. I want you to say, coach, you say you're a Christian, but you're not not living like a Christian. So that holds me accountable Mm. every day with every player that comes in. So again, physically, mentally, uh, uh, and spiritually. And so uh, years and years and years and years ago, I started doing a Bible study on Wednesday mornings for our athletes, and we say, "Look, it's not mandatory. Uh, we, those of you that have a relationship with with the Lord or 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 believe in a higher power, come come in. Let's let's fellowship together, and and let us pray for you, and let us love you, and and because at the end of the day, you're going to know two things. And this is what I tell every athlete." You're going to know you're in the best shape of your life. You're never going to look back and say, man, what if I put extra work in? You're going to be in the best shape of your life. And then the second thing and the most important is that you're going to know there's an old white dude in Norcross, Georgia that loves you unconditionally that mm-hmm. would do anything in the world for you. I'm all about personal relationships, relationships with Jesus, relationships with my family, relationships with my players. And they become part of my extended training family. Every Thanksgiving, and I have for, for 35 years, I send a personal note to every player I've ever trained. Okay. Now that's not a reflection on me. That's that's how passionate I am about every player, and I don't care whether they were first round draft picks, or they never played a, a, you know, they never played professional baseball, they never played in National Football League. I love them unconditionally, and I realized early on that I was never going to miss out on an opportunity to to get a chance to know a young man. I want to know him. I want to know. I'm more passionate when he calls me and says, "Coach, come to my wedding." Coach, I had my firstborn. My child had their first hit. They took their first step. I can, it's, it's, and it's funny, uh, not funny, but a uh, true story. Um, this past year, there was a, a player that came in, and we were talking, and he, and he said, Coach, you you know all these guys in the wall. So, yeah, I've, I've trained, unlike a lot of places, I've trained all 2,000 players. I know every one, I've trained every one of them. I'm so we walked through, so walk through my facility, and I've got a huge board, a, a, a hall, of, a, a wall of fame, every NFL team on every player that I've trained. And so I said, pick, pick out a name. <clears throat> so he stopped, he pointed at a thing. I said, that young man played at Michigan State. He was a running back. He played four years in the National Football League. His first, the name of his first child was, uh, uh, whatever, well, I can't remember now, the, the kid. But I I, I said, here's here the name yeah. of his first child. I said, point out another one. He walked through and I said, that kid played at University of Georgia. He was from Quitman, Georgia. He played at this high school. Uh, he played linebacker. He played 13 years in National Football League. We went through, and he's like, "That's unbelievable! How do you remember that?" I said, "Because they're children. They're my children." That's right, that's right. I, I, I want to tell you one other story, and this—I don't know if you know this—but I was the guy that trained Colin Kaepernick. Mm. Okay, I've had people come in here, and right behind me uh, it, on the video, you can't see it. But there's a there's a there's a photo of of, uh, of Cap. Of course, everybody comes in, you know, a lot of people, I mean, he, he stirs such emotion. <clears throat> people say, Coach, I, I, I can't believe you got his picture in here. I said, well, he's one of my, my family. He's one of my training family. I said, now, let me, let me ask you a question. I said, you love your kids? They said, yes. I said, I love my kids. It doesn't matter what happens. That's just right. like God's love for us. It doesn't matter. We're, we're all sinners saved by grace. There's, no, there's nothing that I can do that once I've accepted Christ, there's nothing I can do, okay, to to to... to, to to have him have Jesus not love me, have God not love me. I said, so same with my children. I love my children. I don't care what happens. They commit murder. I would be devastated, but I still love them unconditionally. It's the same. Do I agree with everything that my kids have done? No, they're not perfect. Their daddy's not perfect. The last perfect person died on the cross. And I said, I said, so do I agree with everything Colin did? No, I, I didn't. But I reached out to him early on when all of this was going on, I said, and I told him, I said, Colin, I, I, I want to tell you something. I love you unconditionally. You, you believe me. He said, coach, I do believe you. I said, let me just tell you this. And, and I went on we talked about what was going on. And I said, you know, it's, 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 I know you, uh, I, I know you, you've broken bread. You've been in my house. You know, I'm in his Wikipedia page. I said, I, I, I love you unconditionally. And I said, it breaks my heart that the people that don't know you to hear and see what's going on. The Contra Costa Times wrote an article about somebody came out and said he was lazy, he didn't work, and that's why he wasn't playing. And so I saw that, so I wrote a rebuttal and I said, "Let me just tell you, uh, I want to tell you something. I, I think I'm qualified to talk about Colin Kaepernick. I trained him for four years. I trained him as junior year at Nevada, his senior year coming out in two years, and his first two years in NFL. I said he's the first one in every day. He's the last one out. So he's a leader. Uh, he came to our Bible studies. I said." All these are things that he, was, he, he, he led by example. Uh, you now, whether you agree with his social stand or not, that's up to you. I said, but I'm not going to allow you to, to, to mm-hmm. do what you – and say what you've done because it's not true. Well, then the next day, NFL Networks picked up on it, and they, they, they were like Colin Kaepernick's trainer to defense him. And, and then his teammates said, no, Coach Smith's exactly right. I mean, what they're saying is not true. Well, I'm not going to allow people to talk about something yep. that I knew was not true. Again, do I agree with everything that he's done? No, I don't. I don't but I love him unconditionally. And I'm not taking this photo off my wall. And if it offends you, I'm sorry. Uh, It's no different than any of my children in here. Uh, I've got guys that have gone to to prison for murder that I've trained, okay? I love them. I pray for them continually that they'll come to Christ. Uh, 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 So again, for me, to live my faith is to love people unconditionally. God says two things, love him first and love your neighbors yourself. And when you do that, and you truly do that, Mike, there's no racial hate. There's, right. no, there's no things, all the negative things have gone on in the world. When you come in my facility, you're going to know one thing, brother. You're going to work hard. You're going to know that, 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 that I love you unconditionally and I'll do anything in the world for you. And To me, that's the most important thing that I can do as a, as a, as a Christian who's in the business world is love people unconditionally uh, regardless of where they're at. Uh, in, their, in their sports world, whether they ever play it, they don't play or they ever make it, they don't make it. Um, that's not when I get to heaven, guys, i not going to say, Chip, how many pro bowlers did you train? He's going to say, how did you impact my t- kingdom with the tools that I, you know, I've, I've, I've honored you with? And that's what's most important to me uh, in my whole walk and uh, daily is, uh, you know, I, I love having a conversation with young men. Again, most, most of the men the young men I have I've come from broken homes uh, they don't have, they don't have men in their life that they can model, uh, you know, um, how to live and be a daddy and a, and, and, and a, and a husband and, and all the things that you and I have been blessed, uh, mm-hmm. to have learned from our, from our folks. And, uh, right. So I, I try to give that back. And, and, uh, again, I'm going to tell them what they need to hear, not what they want to hear. And you know what, I'm never going to have them look back and say, you know, I spent time with Coach Smith and he never told me about the Lord. He never, he never loved on me he just cared about me because I was a you know an NFL pro Bowl player I don't care I really don't care and uh but what I do care is that they're good daddies and I see that and I see them being good husbands and and at the end of the day that's what that's what really matters
0: and I love that and I love how you model that because your sons and your son-in-law are all working with you and beside you aren't they
1: they are, and that that's been a, an absolute blessing. Um, again, I, my my oldest son was actually in med school. Uh, he was actually going to go to medical school. He he played football at Virginia BMI, uh, great great academic school. And and uh, uh, when he got out, he said, you know what? I decided I don't I don't really want to go in med school. But what I want to do is I want to do what you do, Daddy. And so, uh, you know, I, I'm very passionate about all the players that I've ever worked with. But you know, my own kids. Uh, again, Trip was uh, my oldest son. Trip, he's the third. Uh, was a great, great athlete, and uh, was a captain there at BMI. And, and uh, uh, he ended up getting his uh, getting his master's in, in exercise and is one of the top sports performances in, uh, performance coaches in the world. He's way smarter than me, and, and he actually spent time in China uh, working for the Olympic program. And then my youngest son, Zach, who I was telling you earlier about, he, he was the first scholarship player in the history of Duke to graduate uh, in three years Played there at Duke. Played linebacker at Duke. Then he went out and played at Cal Berkeley. Got his masters at Cal. Uh, was all was uh, academic all Pac-10 uh, at Cal. And, and uh, took a year off. Climbed six and seven highest mountains. And, and uh, uh, was in law school one day. And came home and said, "Daddy, I need to talk to you." And he said, "What?" Well, he said, "My heart's not in it." He said, "God's calling me the ministry." And so he was in Africa, Kenya, and then he was down in, in Jeffrey's Bay, South Africa. And then so he's he's worked with me, and he now self funds his mission work uh, by working for me. And then he goes back to the mission field in, in the spring and summer. And oh, then Ian, okay. my, my, my daughter who's a Liberty grad. We finally got one Liberty grad of my four kids. And, uh, she ended up, uh, meeting and, and, uh, she was teaching and coaching at Liberty high school there in Bedford. And there was a young man that was coaching and teaching there as well. Uh, Ian Childress and Ian played at Liberty and he had no idea. My, my daughter never told him about me. And, uh, and the first time I met him is when I, when I was uh, actually uh, in 2010, I came up delivered to be inducted in their, in their football hall of fame. And, 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 he and she said, well, my mom and dad are coming up. And he said, "They're coming to see you? She said, no, nah, actually, my dad's got something he's got to do. And, and he didn't, I mean, she never told him anything at all about me. And then, then when I came up there and he found, he found out what I was there for, he's like, Summer, you didn't even tell me, not only is your daddy being in the hall of fame, but your daddy wore the same, he, his number was 32, which was my number of football. How about that? <laughs> your daddy wore the same number that, that I wore. And, you know, and I mean, he was somebody up here, not that I'm anybody, but you know, he, he, she, she said, you know, you, you didn't tell me about it anyway. They did not fall in love. And so Ian's been with me for, uh, I guess, nine years um, working. Uh, so it's, it's really fun. You know, all, all my coaches are, are Christians and, even my pro coaches. So just to give you an idea of a daily schedule, because it's, it's a lot different. People have no idea. So athletes come to me, they spend two hours doing speed work, uh, position work, and then they're in the weight room for two hours. And then they're back on the field doing two hours of skills work. So uh, they spend six hours a day. So we house them, we feed them. We have an executive chef that does all their food every day. Uh, My chef will do his, Many in our busy time, as many as 200 meals a day. Uh, we are sponsored by Diamond Nutrition. We have a nutritionist, uh, so we take care of all their supplements. Uh, uh, we take care of all their meals. Uh, we have rehab. We have prehab. Uh, we've partnered with Northside Hospital, so we provide uh, uh, recovery. Uh, you know, we have a cryo machine, which is a, a machine that, that uh, you get in for three minutes. Uh, 190 below zero that's equal to four, you know, 24 hours in a, in a cold tub. So we do prehab. We, do, uh, we have PTs, ATCs, that, and orthopedics that, uh, that take care of our athletes. So we have to provide all of that for them so we house them, feed them, take care of them, and then train them. So that's five days a week. Wednesday's a recovery day, and then Wednesdays, we go to swim Atlanta, and we swim uh, for recovery. And then we go out and do, uh, skill guys do seven on seven. So we actually let them compete. But we do the same thing with our pro baseball guys. They come in and they'll do, uh, they'll be on the field with me doing conditioning and speed work and then they're in the weight room and then they're back on the field. You know, some of my coaches who i worked with in the past, uh, my hitting coach has been Brian Jordan, who I trained during his whole career. I mean, Greg McMichael is one of my pitching coaches. Greg, you know, I was with Greg during his, pretty much his whole career. And and, uh, so, you know, my defensive line coach, I mean, my offensive line coach is John Stinchcomb, who was uh, a three-time All-American at Georgia, played, was captain of the Saints when they won the Super Bowl. John works with my uh, with my offensive line. So every position has a skills guy that's either, uh, was either a professional athlete or a professional coach. Uh, so we offer that as well. So it's uh, – I'm not open to the public, so, you know, you can't come in and buy a membership. So it's uh, uh, very time-intensive. Um, But when you make a living with your body, I mean, that's what you need to do. That's right. That's right. So as we
0: wrap up today, Chip, I believe, you know, the Bible says David served his purpose in his generation and then he fell asleep, King David. What do you think was the purpose God created Chip Smith for? What would you say?
1: Well, that's pretty deep. Um, To love my wife. To love my children. To be an example of Christ's love to others. I hope when I face the Lord, He says, You've been a good and faithful servant. Well done because that's really all that matters. You know, uh, I can train all these guys and impart them, but if I don't do it with my own kids and my own wife, then I'm not very good. And uh, I tell my sons all the time, uh, you know, you if you want to be successful, uh, for me, love your wife. Love the Lord first and love your wife. and Model that, because um, that's really... In the end, that's really what matters, and and uh, you know, outside of your relationship with the Lord, your family, and and uh, um, you know, I don't, I never want my kids to look back and say, "Daddy had all the time in the world to work with Brian Erlacher and Champ Bailey, and but he never spent any time working with me." And so, you know, your priorities in life, uh, I think you have to uh, you have to make you have to make those priorities, and whatever is important to you becomes your priority. And uh, so, I thank God. I thank God entrusted me with a lot of uh, opportunities that I've been, again, I look back on my life and, and uh, i just say, Lord, why me? You know, why, why did you allow these things? To, what to me to be involved from, you know, from the things at Liberty to, to being in the sports world and, and uh, the influence and the things that I've been blessed and fortunate to do. I never, I never said, I want to work with professional athletes. I never, that was never, something that, that I was motivated, God opened the door. And uh, I just want to be obedient, whatever that is. And, and in the end, you know, and this is what I, today's world, and this is what I've told my kids and what I tell my wife and what I tell all my athletes. We just have to trust trust the Lord. God says, just trust me. And with everything that's happening, uh, you know, we don't understand, not in my lifetime, have I ever seen anything like what's going on? Uh, normally, sitting here, it would be, so much noise, you couldn't hear anything from music playing to athletes in and out and and uh, it's not happening, but God knows about that and and uh, through it all, he is in control and, and, and knew about this before we were ever born. so uh, I don't know, brother that's that's a pretty deep question that you know I, I, I hope that um, I can hear those words well done. My good and faithful servant.
0: Fascinating. You know, there are those people that you meet, and you know what they do, and you have an image in your mind, and then you sit down with them, and you talk to them, and you go, holy cow, there is a lot there, and Chip's one of those guys. You can tell he's an expert in his industry, but even more than that, even more than being an expert in his industry he is a man that is seeking god's heart and a special special human being and i love that he takes that platform he's been given these kids coming in for the combine getting ready for their pro workouts and and they're getting the best of training but they're also finding out many of them for the first time who jesus is and how he can change their life chip you're getting it done buddy I am so proud of you, and I'm so proud now to call you a friend. Wow, good, good stuff. Our next episode, episode 92, we're going to sit down with another very good friend of mine. Her name is Dr. Diane Pierce. Diane has been a Christian counselor for many, many years, but her story of what got her there is absolutely amazing, and you are going to love it. So I can't wait to release our next episode for you. If you enjoy these podcasts, boy, I would love for you to push pause now. Go to Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, and subscribe to be a subscriber of this, these episodes. So they'll get downloaded to you. And if you enjoy them, leave a review for us, boy, it helps us climb up the charts and it helps other people to find out when you share these things. It's amazing how many notes I get from people that say, man, I had a friend shoot me this episode and now I listen to all of them. Boy, it's a great way to share your faith and your story with others. Well, thanks again for listening in. And my challenge to you today, go be the leader that you were created to be in the space and the place that God has put you. Thank you for listening to the Lynch with a Leader podcast with your host, Mike Lynch. If you enjoyed this episode, you can help more people hear it by subscribing and leaving a review wherever you may be listening. For full episode notes and more spiritual leadership resources, visit MikeLynch.com.